gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe, is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And we're going to do something a little different today, something uh, kind of fun lighthearted, I think. We thought it would be fun to do an episode where we talk about the books that we're reading. And now I do think that like half the books I've read in the last year were for the podcast, maybe not quite half, but um, so you know some of the books that we've read because we've done episodes on them. If if you're newer to the podcast, you can go back through old episodes. And I, a good majority of our episodes with a guest um, are about a book, especially mm-hmm. recently. And, but we also read other stuff. I, as I was preparing for this episode, I thought, okay, I'm going to have to think about what books to admit I'm reading and uh, <laughs> to, to stop. You know, I wanted to mention something before we get started. Just, uh, I had posted this in the Facebook group earlier and I don't, I don't usually, um, do stuff like this, but this is connected specifically to somebody that I know, know well. I'd put, and I'll put it in the episode notes. There's a, a, a young boy. Well, not young. He's, he's a teenager now. He lives in Uganda. He had both of his legs removed. It was a, a medical issue. And I'll, I'll put the link. You can read all about it. Anyways, so a few years ago, they raised money to get him prosthetic legs. And then he was able to learn to walk. So this is an amazing thing. And he's associated with the church there. Um, I believe it's kind of a, a mission plant there. You can read about it when I put the link. Anyways, if you've ever known anybody that has a child with um, any prosthetics, you, you'll you know that they have to be replaced pretty often because of growth. When a, when a child is growing, they grow. And he's, a, he's at that point. And they're uh, I believe most of the medical stuff is going to be covered. It's by some doctors in Orlando, uh, but they, uh, 
they're raising some money to fly him and his father out and have to be here for a little while and stuff. Anyways, I just, I wanted to mention that because I've been following this little boy and, um, you know, what he's been going through. I think we take for granted how easy it is to get medical care sometimes here. I, I know not always easy. I know our system isn't, isn't perfect, but in, there's a lot of place in, places in the world where they just don't have access to stuff like that. And I've heard a, a lot of stories even of just kind of medical mistakes um, in certain parts of the world causing long-term, um, you know, health issues and stuff. So anyways, and now I will I'll put that in the episode notes, but I, I'm going to start and ask you, Rachel, mm-hmm. to talk about maybe either a theological or a Christian book that you're reading or or read recently. Uh, and I should probably say I'm like that kind of person that has like seven or eight books going. Always, yes. So, so if I'm reading a book, I'm, I'm reading a lot and it's true right now. <laughs> yeah, I usually have several uh, reading for different things or even like different moods that I'm in. Or, yes. Do you sit down? Yeah. I sit down and I go, Hmm, what do I feel like reading what right now? I feel like and I reading. look through mm-hmm. what I'm reading. Yep. Oh yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's fun too, like to, to look at my stack of things that I'd like to read or I want to read and I sit down and I'm like, yeah, but what I really want to do is go back and reread this other book that I loved. It's, just, <laughs> I it's that. like a comfort read. Yep. Yep. Um, like I reread, I reread all of Jane Austen one spring because I was in the mood for like comforting, enjoyable reads and uh, reread that Anna Green Gable series. Similarly. Oh, that's a good idea. I haven't done that in a while. There's some that just, they're always there. Oh, just enjoyable stories. Of course, if you read the whole of Anna Green Gable series, it will make you cry in multiple places. Uh, Just a warning. If you haven't ever read anything, there's many heart wrenching deaths in the yes. series. Um, but so, yeah, I have, I was going to actually start out with something that I'm doing for Bible study, uh, personal Bible study, because it was some, it's something I've been doing off and on, but with Gretchen, we were talking to her about her book ragged and about the spiritual disciplines and the way to read scripture. And one thing she talks about in the book is about taking you know, small portions and thinking through them or um, like focusing, like you don't always feel like it has to be, you know, you must read the whole scripture in a year or else, right? Like you don't want to make it into, you know, a checklist thing that you're just trying to get through enough chapters every day to check it off. And I'm, gu- I'm guilty of doing that. So um, one thing I've done to kind of slow down and take more time is uh, I'm using the journals. Have you heard of those, Colleen? No, I haven't. Uh, mm-hmm. Journals are put out by. Um, check me on this real quick. I think it's Reformation Heritage. I'm looking at one. Yes. Yeah, by Reformation Heritage Books. And they're really cool. It's called the 1718 series. It's based on a verse in Deuteronomy uh, 1718, where uh, the Kings are told that they're supposed to copy out the law uh, by hand. You know, of course, at the time, that'd be the only way to do it. But copy out the law so that they have read and understood what the law is. And I have wondered if, if any of the kings ever did. But um, 
the idea behind a journal is it's a book of the Bible or like with the Psalms, there's two volumes for it. And it has on one side of the page, it has um, like the say Psalm one and then places to write with the, the verses marked. And then on the left-hand side of the page, it has some questions for thinking about or taking notes on the passage. And so I try to do like a page a day. It's just usually like six to eight verses. Um, That's really cool. It's a nice way. I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah, it's just a nice way to, because of course, by copying it out by hand, you have to go slower, right? And you have to think about what you're writing and, and saying what it says. And, you know, I've, by doing it, I found a number of things that I was like, oh, I, I didn't realize that. Or, you know, that's very interesting how how that's similar. And um, so it's one of those that I I, uh, I recommend if you want a different way to study the scriptures. And if you're not, well, don't want to do something, uh, you're not sure about doing it, or like buying a book to do it. Um, Rebecca Hargreaves, and she has the Home and Hearth, Hargreaves Home and Hearth site. She has a scripture writing plan that by month, and this year they've been doing uh, various books of the Bible. So for right now, we're in uh, it was the book of James, and then starting Esther. And every day it's like three or four verses. And so I have a little journal too that I keep and write those out. And it's been really great. We uh, we did Ruth, and between Ruth and James, and now Esther, getting all the detail in them. um, It's been very uh, useful study. And you know, it's amazing to me, just even in my Bible reading, how many times I will read something in scripture that I know I've read a hundred times before. Right. And I will understand something in a new way. It amazes me every time um, I'll see something, something will stick out to me that just didn't before. Exactly. So what's something you've been reading? Well, so one of the books that I have used um, as a more of a resource and instead of reading it straight through Mm -hmm. that I'm now trying to read straight through is Michael Horton's Pilgrim Theology. And um, so I, I often used it like as a resource. Oh, we're doing the Trinity. Let me look up the Trinity. We're doing this. You know, I read it like that, but I thought, oh, it's been a while since I've gone through kind of a systematic theology and it, it it's a more readable one. So I am, I am going through that and I highly recommend it. In fact, I wanted to say for those that are maybe newer to theology, I'm going to mention a few books by Michael Horton. I really like him. You'll find out. I'm only going to mention mm-hmm. after this, I'll only mention one more of his books, but I've learned so much from him. Um, but if you're brand new to kind of understanding just basic Calvinism, I think a great book to start off with is Putting Amazing Back into Grace. I love that book um, in the beginning that. of it. Yeah, he starts with the with the Reformation. And you do get a little bit of an overview of all of Reformed theology, but um, it's a lot about the doctrines of grace. And I mean, Putting Amazing Back into Grace, it, it's such a excellent and very easy to read book. And that is a book that he first wrote when he was a teenager to explain Mm -hmm. Reformed theology to his family. And Mm -hmm. I think it ended up being published when he was in college. So that's a really good one. And if you're, and 
Um, I think Pilgrim Theology is very good for understanding those essential doctrines, but his book, Core Christianity, is also great. Um, maybe focuses more on the core doctrines, and then Pilgrim Theology um, probably goes into some of it a little bit more. And And the Core Christianity website has some free um, things that you can go through, too. Um different topics, you know, on, I I haven't been on there for a while to see what ones are available, but I've set up several girls in theology. I've recommended some of the specific ones to girls in in theology gals, but I think um, sometimes we don't have a good grasp on those essential doctrines. I think the Trinity debates recent, recently, or in the last Mm -hmm. five, six, seven years have shown that, uh, that, for instance, I, I mean, I, I will confess here and now that I had heard eternal subordination. I've heard, I'd heard that view and not really thought through it very well. And, um, but once I understood it was actually you, Rachel, when you started mm-hmm. writing about the problem with it, I'm like, oh yeah, that is bad. And I think it's really important that we have a, a really good grasp on the essential doctrine so that when error comes our way, we recognize it. We say, wait, that's not right. That's, that's not a right view of the Trinity um, or any number of essential doctrines. That's, that's what I would say. So I would say core Christianity, putting amazing back in the grace and pilgrim theology. If you're new to theology, that's a good, even though they aren't kind of a trilogy, I'll, I'll make it one <laughs> for <laughs> kind of just getting to know. I, the thing I like about Michael Horton, for me at least, is he's easy to read. Like, you know, I have Lewis Burkhoff's Systematic Theology, and um, Lewis Burkhoff has another one. I think it's called Summary of the Christian Faith or, or something like that, which is a smaller, a little bit more readable version. But I um, enjoy reading Michael Horton, so I'll, I'll make too. those recommendations. <laughs> Yeah, I read Putting the Amazing Back into Grace when I was in college in uh, RUF, which is the PCA's campus ministry, and really helped me understand um, theology, uh, Calvinism, uh, doctrines of grace, sovereignty of God. Uh, I remember like even the illustrations from the book when I read it. God doesn't call us to jump through hoops. There's a picture. Like there's things that he draws. So it's there's it's, some good cartoons in it, right? Yeah. Um, and then I have Pilgrim Faith. Uh, I have an ebook version of it. So yeah, it's another really good one. Very accessible. There's a there was a cartoon in it, and I don't. I I'm not sure it's in the newer um, mm-hmm. because they did newer versions of it, but it was in the original, and I read it. I first read it in 1995, I believe, and it yep. 94, 95, somewhere in there. I'm not even sure when it came out. Same but time frame. Yeah. Some, somewhere in there I read it. it was kind of the first introduction to all of Reformed theology. I understood Calvinism, but this was like getting kind of a glimpse of the, of the whole of Reformed theology. And there's, there was a cartoon in there and it was like two girls sitting at coffee and one of them says, well, first God told me to break up with Jimmy and go out with Bob. And then God told me to break up with Bob and go out with Tim, you know, or something like that. Right. Um, it, because part some of what Michael Horton does is he's very good at identifying some of the crazy stuff in evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Well, what's another Christian book you're reading? Well, you know, 
there's a few couple that we're reading and, you know, they may be on our uh, uh, future discussions. And, you know, we're, we, we read quite a bit to try to figure out, you know, topics to discuss or inter- uh, authors to interview. Um, and one I really, really enjoyed was something, not, something's not right by Wade Mullen on spiritual abuse and recognizing it. Um, and I hope we can talk about that sometime soon because it was just really one of the best that I've read on how to put words to the experience of abuse. And it's such a key thing for people who are in abusive situations to be able to look at it and say, to call it by name, this is what's going on and this is what's happening because it's, there's a lot of confusion and intentionally there's in the trying to figure out what's going on around you. She began to put words to it and say, this is what's happening and something's not right. Um, it really, um, it's the first step in being able to address the abuse. That title is so good because um, if you hear people who've been through abuse stories, they will say things like there came a point where they knew that something wasn't right. Couldn't necessarily put words to it or identify what was going on. So one of the ones that I'm reading, and it's been a little bit controversial book in our circles, but um, is Reforming Apologetics. Reforming Apologetics, Retrieving the Classic Reformed Approach to Defending the Faith. And so in in Reformed circles, <laughs> say, um, presuppositional apologetics is, has become very popular. But there's there's always been people that still have held to classical. And I'm, my husband and I are some of those those people. So it's interesting. It's something that I don't. Obviously, I've said it here now, so it's official, but it's something I don't often talk about because I know people have very strong views. It's definitely not something, it's something that I disagree with, with good friends, and it's it's fine to do that. You know, and some people have had criticisms of the book. I, I like it so far a lot. It's, it's helped me. When I was in Bible college, I had this great apologetics professor. I, I, he's like one of my favorite professors ever. And I remember the first day of class, he said, okay, I'm going to teach you. Uh, there's a couple main different kinds of apologetics. And he talked about both um, kinds and he, he, you know, taught us both kinds. Um, well, there's more than actually two kinds, but he, he talked about classical apologetics and he talked about presuppositionalism, which I appreciated that he did it. And he was definitely somebody who helped to, I didn't feel like there was a great resource from a reform perspective to help me think through this more. Um, Mm -hmm. And this book has been really helpful for me. Uh, One of the things that I see a lot and is somebody will become newly reformed. They'll become a Calvinist and they'll embrace covenant theology and stuff. And they'll be in these Facebook groups and there'll be people like, oh, yeah, reformed people hold to presuppositional apologetics. And so I think people are like, oh, well, I guess if that's the reformed view, then that's what I should hold to, but there actually are uh, reformed people that don't, and, and I think that's o- that's okay. Um, it it's not something that you know it, to separate over anything like that. I think potentially this book gives us um, some things to discuss, and um, mm-hmm. 
So that's that's where I'm at with that. Now everybody knows that I don't. Before you were here, I actually did an episode on presuppositional apologetics because I have a friend that is great on that subject. But um, I, I really appreciate classical apologetics. J.V. Fesco is the author. And we I'll put all the books that we talk about in the episode notes. So you'll find links there. I think it's one of those things that... Um, with apologetics that it, it can depend on the situation, what approach is best. Like it, yep. it can be different approaches can work better in different situations. So I'm, I'm not particularly dogmatic about it uh, personally. Uh, although I have had a lot of appreciation for uh, uh, presuppositional in ways that we were trained to do or, or taught to do. Um, so I see uses in both. Um, you know, it, my husband, when he, you know, he grew up in, he, well, he was baptized in the LCMS, but then his parents, when the, um, then they went to another denomination. I can't remember what preceded ELCA or ELCA. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember what, what preceded that, but they were that for a little while. And then they went to ELCA. Well, ELCA was, um, is very liberal Lutheran denomination. Mm-hmm. So he, he kind of was like, you know, you go to church cause that's what you do and didn't really have any faith in Christ and stuff. And I, he went to um, a striper concert cause he liked heavy metal. Someone's like, Oh, you should check out this Christian concert. And they were talking about the gospel and, and the Bible. And he came home and he tried to find his Bible. He had children's Bible. That's all he had. Um, eventually got a real Bible and started reading through it. But um, at some point, and I can't remember who, but somebody gave him Josh McDowell's Evidence that Demand a Verdict, uh, and that book was so incredibly helpful for him. And Fesco actually mentions that book, too. Uh, so I I think some of why I, I, I did a lot with more classical and evidentialism and stuff when I was younger, as a teenager, I was. So I, I'm sure that that's part of what... Um, influences my view there, but I think Fesco makes a, a good case for theologically why it's appropriate too. So I'll just say that. But I agree with you, Rachel. I think that they both can be useful. So the other one that I'm reading right now, uh, hope to talk about some more in the future, is uh, When Sheep Attack by Dennis Maynard. And it in talking about uh, abuse and uh, abuse within church situations, one of the things that we haven't covered much yet is we've done most from the perspective of uh, congregations who have been abused by leaders, but you know, it can, it can go the other way as a, a pastor's daughter and someone who's been active in church for a long time. Um, you know, I've seen abuse go in the direction from someone in the church or someone else in leadership towards someone in leadership, uh, like one of the pastors being attacked. And uh, this book is, it's fascinating. It's, it's a pretty easy read. Um, it very accurately reflects situations that I have been through uh, with uh, various situations growing up and, and in my, my life. And um, I mean, it is, you know, kind of geared more towards an Episcopal system of church polity, but uh, there's a lot of application in it for recognizing it in, in any church situation. And Rachel and I have on our, we just did a planning 
um, meeting yesterday. And that is one we would like to do a whole episode on because I don't think it's talked about very much. And we do have somebody that's reached out to us and um, suggested it that saw a situation in her own family um, with her father, who was a pastor. So now I'm going to bring up Michael Horton again. Here I go. Um, I'm (laughs) rereading a book that because I think it is so applicable to today, to this last year, and it's Beyond Culture Wars, is America a mission field or a battlefield? And I cannot, I got to tell you, this book, I bought it in 1995, and the sticker was still on it, is still on it at the Trinity International University and Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois. Um, they have a bookstore there. I bought it at that bookstore, 1995. I cannot believe I paid 16.99. That seems like a lot, but it is a hardcover book. Wow. So I guess a hardcover book now can be 25 to $30 even. So maybe not Easily. so bad. I have one quote from the book I, I want to share with you because I, I had shared it with Rachel yesterday, but it will give you an idea of how applicable this book is for even now. So Ironically, at a time when outright heresy flourishes, even in the evangelical community, and many Christians are unable to define the essential elements of the gospel, all in the interest of tolerance and unity, the Christian community at the end of the 20th century does not seem to have any trouble forming deep, hostile divisions over which political package and candidate to endorse. And that that quote is just... Amazing, because that describes the last year. We've got circles where mm-hmm. we've got a heretical view of the doctrine, which even people in our circles accept as acceptable, and which is just not okay. But they will divide over not supporting the right political candidate. And one of the things I think we've seen even an increase. So this was going on, obviously, in the 90s, because Michael Horton wrote Mm -hmm. it and it was different then. Um, You had the Christian coalition, you have some things like that, but I think we're in another, we're we're seeing that so much right now where I, I personally feel like some of the essential doctrines are downplayed and the culture wars have become essential doctrines to some people. If you don't line up on those culture wars, then they're going to break ties with you. I've had people that don't talk to me anymore because I don't line up on the culture wars. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. So that's what we saw with the Trinity debate, right? That the doctrine of the Trinity was considered less essential than uh, agreeing with a a certain form of complementarianism. And, you know, that's, that's really putting a, a secondary issue over a primary issue. And, you know, that's just one example of many. Yeah, I right now, I know somebody and I like, I mean, that doesn't want anything to do with me. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to be transparent here. Doesn't want anything to me because on the practical of the man womanhood debates, I don't line up. But then when it comes to eternal subordination, silence. And that this is not the right way. It, it's mm-hmm. It's not the right way. We have to. The subtitle of the book is America, a mission field or a battlefield. And I think we need to, we need to meditate upon that a little bit and think about who we are. In fact, I'm going to 
throw in a plug really quick for um, our pastor's podcast, which I'll also link in the episode Crisis. notes. We, yeah, Kaisis, we had him on a little while ago, but he's got some good episodes talking about that. And um, I think it was episode three, especially, but other episodes he touches on it too. But who who are we as Christians? What are we called to in this world and society? I think it's an important topic. And I don't... I don't think it's we're called to a battlefield to fight culture as much as we're called to go into the world and preach the gospel. Yeah. That's my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> because we read so much for, uh, I call it for work, right? For research purposes or for writing or for doing the podcast. I read a lot of nonfiction for that. I actually fiction for fun. Like it's my go-to is a fictional book. Um, usually sci-fi fantasy or historical fiction. So the one caveat with the books that I'm recommending here, there's nothing in these that should be uh, anti-Christian or should be considered objectionable. Everyone has to use their own uh, personal uh, convictions on what books they're comfortable with, but there's nothing in these uh, that I'm recommending that should be offensive. But uh, again, you know, Everyone has their own opinions. So just know that I'm not uh, necessarily saying I liked everything in every book that I've read. But uh, that said, one book I read recently uh, that I just really, really enjoyed was uh, The Unlikely Escape of Uriah Heap by H.J. Perry. And this was a, a recommendation from uh, from a good friend uh, who knows my, my taste in books. But... Uh, this book is set in New Zealand, set modern times, and the the main character, his brother, is able to bring characters out of books. And so you know, he's reading a book, and all of a sudden, Uriah Heep is there right there with him. And this Uriah Heep wants to kill him, so he has to help his brother get him back in the book. And that doesn't spoil anything. That's just the first opening part of the book. Um but very interesting if you if you like uh, Victorian literature. There's a lot of shout-outs to uh, books that you would recognize, either the the Gothic Bronte novels or Jane Austen and Charles Dickens. Um, but very very interesting book. Good focus on um, what makes a family and the support of a family and the importance of of um, siblings and uh, parent relationships. So quite enjoyable, pretty much a light read, um, not something that for the most part would have kept me up all night uh, from you know, anxiety. But um, not scary yeah, then? Not scary. No, not scary. Not too intense. Uh, I always have to have a book that I'm reading that I can read before bed. And this was one uh, that I did. Although there's a point at which I was like, I'm just going to go and finish it. I'm curious. Uh, so, yeah, highly recommend it. You know, when you get to that point in a book and you just mm-hmm. can't put it down and you're like, there's only five more chapters. I just, I just can't. I got to see what happens. Mm-hmm. So what have you been reading? Okay. So Rachel and I are going to be different on this because I haven't read much. I can only think of one nonfiction book I've read this year. And mm-hmm. so, but I've read non-Christian books. So this may be more of a, a non-Christian category. Okay, so this is not really a reading book, 
so much as a book I've been going through, but I had a little accident with it, which I'll explain in a minute. So this is going to sound very funny, but I have reptiles and amphibians in East Central North America. <laughs> so a Peterson Field Guide. So I've been going through learning about some reptiles and amphibians, and I know that sounds very silly. I think one thing people probably don't know about me is that I love science. So I couldn't do sports. I have a problem with my knee where the tendon is connected to the wrong spot. And so I couldn't run, I couldn't do sports and stuff, but I love science. I didn't, I did have a soccer trophy, but in second grade, it's the only year I played soccer and we got last place and the parents felt sorry for us. So they got us trophies, (laughs) but I was, but I had all of, I, I did have lots of trophies for the science fair. I ran, I, I won like the top grand prize for the whole school, you know, a couple times in elementary school. Then you'd go to the district and county. But anyways, I just have fun doing stuff like this. And my son, if you ever see me talk about my son, who's got snakes and lizards and all of that, he definitely takes after me. I just wanted to learn about some other ones because I, whenever someone on like social media will put like a picture of a snake. Does anyone know what it is? I'll send it to my son. What is it? And I'm like, I want to try to learn a little bit better, especially in identifying snakes. I'm not so great at, and now that we're living in an area where there's um, a greater chance of running into a poisonous snake, I want to be better at recognizing like venomous versus safe snakes. Um, And Mm -hmm. Some people might not know, but we had snakes in our house. I could do without the snakes. I will never be like, let me go get a pet snake. Um, I do love lizards very much. I want to get a gecko once we're settled in a house. Um, I've had my own gecko before. Like, that's mommy's gecko over there. Uh, And so, I don't know. I just, (laughs) for fun, (laughs) going through trying to identify. I want to get... I want to get a um, bird guide. There's one like this that's for birds because it. one of the things my husband and I, we've never really gotten into it a lot. And somebody told me there's a couple good apps. I'm going to look into that. But we love, you know, looking at different birds in different parts of the country. And last night I see these ducks. I've, I don't recall ever seeing these kind of ducks before. I posted them on Twitter. Rachel identified them for me. So thank you for that. But I like muscovy. Yes. And I, le- I like learning about, um, now I get to kind of see birds that are in Texas that I didn't see in Colorado and, you know, learn to identify them and stuff like that. So that that's my exciting um, science uh, thing right now, <laughs> trying to learn to identify. I think I only brought four or five books in the motorhome. The rest are on my Kindle. And what I brought was Beyond Culture Wars, um, Gretchen's book. Um, reptile and amphibian guide and a really sappy romance that I will never admit to reading. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you get a chance to, to see uh, whistling ducks, they're a lot of fun. Okay. I'm going to look for those. Mama ducks. and her babies come through our backyard um, and the babies all went in the pool and it scared me to death because they're like, they're going to drown. They're going to drown. They can't get out. And they got out, but it was really, Oh, wow. Scary. They go quite a while. I lived, I lived on a lake in Florida. I grew up in Southern California, but we spent three years in Florida when I was a teenager mm-hmm. and we lived on a lake and this duck laid eggs right in front of our house, 13 of them. 
And then they hatched, and I used to just love watching them. But then they got a crocodile in the lake, and I won't tell that story. But anyway, so I do like ducks. (laughs) Yeah, well, they had to come out. They did not want crocodiles in the lake because there's young Mm -hmm. children and small dogs, and, you know, it's a family neighborhood. Um, And they the only thing they ever, animals eat animals, so they didn't hurt anybody or anyone's pet. Let's see. Another book that I read recently this one is historical fiction it's called uh dear mrs bird by aj pierce and it's set during world war ii it's set in england and the the main character is a young woman and she wants desperately to be a journalist and she wants to go on war assignments and she she thinks she's really gotten her chance when she gets an interview with um a magazine. So she quits her job. She goes, she gets the job. And then she realizes what she has done is she's going to be an assistant to a woman who writes um, uh, like uh, Ann Landers type letters in mm-hmm. the magazine. So like our uh, dear Abby, right? So these are dear Mrs. Bird letters. And so it's a completely different, not what she was expecting, very different. Uh, but it's, it was mostly lighthearted. I was kind of a fun uh, you know, she gets into a lot of scrapes for various reasons, but, uh, you know, also with the backdrop of the war and, you know, bombing and things that are happening in London. So um, another good one, another, it was a recommendation off. I asked people, friends on Twitter for lighthearted books that I could read at night. So this was one of them. <laughs> you know what? I, that's, uh, both of the ones you've said sound like books I would love. So I'm gonna... Well, you know, I recommended the Uriah Heat book on Twitter recently after I finished it because I couldn't remember who had recommended it, so I was thanking them just generally. I think uh, I maybe wrote it down when you did because I wrote a couple Several down friends have mentioned. now read it and they're like, oh, it was great. So apparently the audiobook's good too from what I've heard. I, I have Go another ahead. not not Christian, but not nonfiction. I mean, not fiction, I'm sorry. Not Christian and not okay. fiction. And so I, I just realized people are going to probably there's probably a lot about me or my interests that our listeners don't know. And you may have seen this book around and not any great reason why I was interested. I just thought it, I, I thought it sound, sounded interesting. I started listening to some podcasts that would have interviews with authors. And that introduced me to a lot of books that would not necessarily have been on my radar. And they're nonfiction books, but culture those sorts of things. Um, so this one is um, called Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. Some of you may have seen it around and just by Abigail Schreier. And it's very, very mm-hmm. fascinating book. And part of it is I, I got sucked into a YouTube channel that um, had D-trans stories. And so I was listening and... of them were girls who had transitioned to boys and then realized that was an error and transitioned back. And so in their telling their stories, it was kind of fascinating because a lot of them said, you know, they would say, you know, I I think they'd never had, they'd never thought they were a boy their whole life or anything like that. They just at some point for various reasons, um, a lot of them describe, you know, not feeling right in their own bodies and stuff, which can be, can happen in the teenagers, even for 
um, a typical mm-hmm. teenage girl. Anyways, um, and they would say, you know, I think maybe I want to be a boy, but they didn't go through any counseling. They didn't, you know, nothing, nothing like that. They were like, okay. And they were um, kind of rushed into taking hormones. Some of them had surgery. Some of them didn't. And so I, I thought it was interesting. So I saw that I saw an interview with Abigail Schreier and heard her story. She had had a, if I'm remembering it correctly, a mom that had um, come to her saying that she'd been seeing this um, huge amount of girls wanting to transition and wanted somebody to do research, like what is going on? Something is going on um, from a scientific perspective, not a Christian perspective. There, There is a percentage, very small, of people that think that they want to be the other sex, you know, some sort of gender dysphoria. Um, and I think that the statistics is over 90% of those people that at some time between, you know, being young and 18, think that they figure it out. They don't actually want to transition. Um, so it's a very, very large percent percentage that don't, that may think that and then not, you know, we live in a fallen world. So make with that what you may. And so she did all this research and she talked to a lot of people, not from a Christian perspective at all, but I, I really like reading some things that aren't necessarily from a Christian perspective, from somebody that's done research and, you know, comes to some conclusions that almost, she really takes it on from more of a journalistic perspective. Um, but there's a lot out there, even from a scientific perspective that I've, mm-hmm. I've even listen to from non-Christians. And it's fascinating. Um, Even some scientists that are very much, very much on the left that recognize kind of what has happened and why this is happening and the potential damage that it can cause. And even um, heard a great interview with the doctor. Anyways, so it's an interesting book for no particular reason of anything in my life, but I thought it was interesting. And sometimes I I'm intrigued by stuff like that. Sounds very interesting. Very timely. Yeah. Another series that I read, and I read the whole series, like once I got the first one, it was just, I read them all very quickly. Or I listen, actually, I listened to these as audiobooks. Um, it's the Darkest Rising trail series by Susan Cooper. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of considered uh, classical sci-fi at this point because it, like the first book was written late sixties. Um, but if you like kind of, um, you know, kid friendly, uh, fantasy books, uh, this is deals a lot with Arthurian legend from the kind of the Welsh perspective. It's a different emphasis than some of the other. Um, this one, this series is really, really very good. It follows uh, a group of kids, and their interaction with, you know, trying to protect the world uh, from the, the rising evil. Um, great themes, very interesting, and a great one for uh, listening with kids. I was just going to ask you that, because um, that sounds like the sort of book where I'd often have a, a book going where I'd read a chapter night with the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's that's so much yeah. fun. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I've gotten to the point. I still like them. I read them for myself. <laughs> I like, sign them to the kids, and then I read them for myself. Or they, I'm like, or I read them and then recommend them to the boys. Or they read them and recommend them to me at this point. 
but yeah. Are your boys, um, do, do they all like the same sorts of fiction that you like, or do some of them like different sorts of things? They, they all prefer, um, sci-fi fantasy to other kinds of reading. Uh, although they're, they're pretty well read in general. Um, so we have a lot of overlap. They're, they're really into some of the Brandon Sanderson books right now. Um, and I haven't really gotten into those. So that's, it's, there probably are some differences in our tastes. Um, I tend to, my husband teases me, I tend to skim books a mm-hmm. lot or skim parts of books. So descriptions, war scenes, battles, <laughs> skim, skim, skim. When does somebody talk? Oh, there we go. And then you go, oh, wait, I missed something. I have to go back. So he, my, he teases me a lot that, yeah, sure. You didn't read it. You skimmed it, which is true, but you know, <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> those sorts of books, though, that your kids find to read, those are the sorts of mm-hmm. books that teach children to love reading. You know, those mm-hmm. kind that I, I loved it when my kids would They'd be up in their bed reading. Okay, you need to do this. But, but mommy, just let me finish this chapter, please. Just this chapter. And then they'd be three chapters later. But part of me was like, I'm so thankful they love reading. Yes. I am very thankful. Um, one of mine prefers audiobooks, so he does a lot of audiobooks. But yeah, that's, it still counts. There was some debate on Twitter, and I'm like, it still counts. It counts. It counts. It's a different kind of, of processing, but it still counts. Um, yeah. If you prefer um, to listen to the books, enjoy. But some, t- some people process, some people process better listening, you know, they do. Um, then oh. some people may not know this, but there's a, an app called LibriVox. I can link it in the episode notes. Oh, yeah, and they, have, they have a lot of free audiobooks. Um, and so I've listened to Emma on there and I, there was, mm-hmm. so some of the free ones, uh, like if you look at the Jane Austen books, will have uh, different readers. So like when I was uh, last year, when I decided to listen to Emma again, cause that's one of my favorite Jane Austen books. Mm-hmm. I, and then we had the movie last year. So, you know, got to read the book again. Uh, and so I listened to like, a couple pages of each of the readers and then um, settled on the one that I liked the best, but they also have people like volunteer, right? Like people. Yep. Yeah. They have Calvin and Luther and some Puritans and, uh, and stuff like that too. They do have some that you can purchase too. There's people that, that charge for them, but there's, it's pretty amazing how many free ones they have on there. And YouTube also, has a lot of free books, which I discovered this last year. I, I listened to 1984 on YouTube because mm-hmm. it, it came up on my stuff. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. And I listen to stuff when I go to sleep at night um, that I need, like, stuff that doesn't get my mind going very much. Because um, mm-hmm. then otherwise my mind just goes a gazillion places and I have trouble sleeping. Yeah, I can't go to sleep with reading. Like if something is sound like that, I can't, um, I can do very quiet music or white noise, but I cannot, like it just wakes me up to listen to it and pay attention. 
Yeah, I do. I do music um, sometimes too. Like mm-hmm. I have a a sleep playlist and stuff. Music can actually be helpful for for going to sleep. So another book I just started it. This one right here is it. It's an un. I know it's going to sound funny, but this is what it is. It's an unauthorized autobiography. <laughs> So somebody an unauthorized autobiography. I know. Okay. So it's, there's some comedy involved in this. Okay. And (laughs) it's the, it's called dear reader, the unauthorized autobiography of Kim Jong Il. And um, it just, (laughs) this, the guy that wrote it is, is he's not a comedian, but he's, he's a funny guy. And um, I follow him because he, um, was born in the Soviet Union and is from the same area that my family came from. And so he actually, it's its pretty fascinating because he, he really did his research and he even went to North Korea. So it it's fascinating to me. I started, I ended up, the reason, I started watching documentaries about North Korea last year. <laughs> so I get weird mm-hmm things that I get interested in and I just like give me everything on that thing so I can and this is more of a lighthearted uh interesting just yeah <laughs> but he tells his story that's like he's him yeah <laughs> I do like biographies Go a ahead. lot of biography for school um and so yeah I, I tend to I, that's where I read most biographies is stuff with the voice yeah, I feel like my reading has changed a, a little bit. I'll mention one more. This is the last one I'll mention just um, since we're talking about biographies. I have not started this one yet, but I did um, put it on my Kindle. And it, it's um, a biography of Martin Lloyd-Jones by Christopher Catherwood, who's his grandson, I believe. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, that'll, it sounds interesting. And I had watched a couple um, documentaries on Martin Lloyd-Jones. And so I was kind of intrigued. And so I recently downloaded that, but I haven't started it yet. Well, it is interesting. Um, well, I had two authors that I wanted to, that are my, my absolute favorites. So if, if you're interested in uh, sci-fi fantasy, you don't know how to get into it, you're not sure what, but these are two authors. They're both Christians. Uh, and I, I just love, love their writing. Um, so one is Kathy Tyers, it's T-Y-E-R-S. Uh, she has uh, a series called the Firebird series. It was a trilogy, but then she wrote two more. And it's, it's a space uh, sci-fi. Um, it's, it's based on a premise of what if Jesus hadn't come yet? And so you have you know, the development of advanced technologies and societies as they spread out across the galaxy. And you still have the Jews who are waiting for their Messiah. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the plot that runs through it. Um, Very fascinating book, book series. um, And it's one that I recommend a lot to people and you can get it. uh, Ebook libraries. It's been around long enough. It's usually easy to find. And the other author who was actually mentored by Kathy Tires, um, her name is Karen Hancock. And one of my absolute favorite books that I go back and reread all the time is her book, Arena, which is kind of a, 
kind of a, a, a retelling of Pilgrim's Progress. It's, it's kind of that kind of journey for the for the young woman in it. It's definitely fantasy. It's not everybody's taste, but it is. Uh, and I would say that that one is probably more like teen plus as far as themes and topics. But um, one of my absolute favorites. And then she wrote a series that's uh, arena would be considered, if you know the difference, low fantasy. So like Narnia is low fan- fantasy and Lord of the Rings is high fantasy. Uh, arena would be low fantasy and her light of Eden series is high fantasy. Um, also just a really great series. Uh, she deals a lot with uh, like the internal battle between like light and dark um, the struggles that we have uh, and also deals with depression, anxiety, the inner struggles. It's just really, really, really good. That sounds really good. I'm going to have to, since summer is here officially now, I need to <laughs> get some, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I usually read more fiction in the summer. Don't I, I think it started when I was homeschooling and yes, so summer was when I could just relax and read fiction. <laughs> yes. That's what I tend to too. So I'm just going to say one that's more it. because it, I'm going to say one more only because I want to make a point when I say it. I know Rachel, when you did research for beyond authority and submission, I know Amy mm-hmm. um, when she's done research for a variety of projects, but um, I'll just focus on her most recent book recovering from biblical manhood and womanhood, um, that we can learn from a lot of people. I think sometimes as Christians, um, and and I'm talking about nonfiction because I read nonfiction books from non-Christians sometimes. And the one, uh, the last one I'm about to say is actually from a Catholic and, and I know Amy, you know, um, specifically mentions, um, Catholics and, and stuff. And I think there's sometimes an idea like, oh, no, we can't learn anything from them because they don't have the gospel right. And I, and yet I still think that there are areas. I don't hear what I'm mm-hmm. not saying, <laughs> trying to say this right. I'm not right. saying we should get our theology from them, but I think because of common grace, we can learn from a variety of people. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And, and I have, and I'm thankful for it. Another man that I heard an interview with, and I probably won't say his name right, but Sarab Amar, uh, Amari, I think, something like that. Anyways, and he's a Catholic. He's an Iranian-American, but converted to Catholicism. And, you know, I'm not looking to him for theology, but he has a book called The, that I was just intrigued by, because it's a subject I have a lot of interest in, The Unbroken Thread, Discovering the Wisdom of Tradition in an Age of Chaos. And became a father and I think wrote this book primarily for his son. Anyways, I think I think sometimes it's easy to just, even Christian, let me even say Christian books, where we'll have in the group where somebody will say, this is a really helpful book, and someone will be like, but are they reformed? Um, some of the books that Rachel and I have read on abuse are by Christians that aren't reformed. And mm-hmm. even I've read some things on abuse that were not even by Christians, and yet I could still learn from them. And then with wisdom... Um, navigate that and implement that in view of my Christian faith and what I believe theologically. And I think, I think it's good for us to do that. I, I know it's been good for me and I've even seen 
growth in myself stepping out because in this last year, so I'll say this, I decided this last year, I, I love podcasts, but I, in the last year, I decided to listen to stuff um, by people I knew I disagree with, which I know sounds like an odd project, but I decided to do it. And I'm not talking about like heretics, like Christian heretics that we oppose. I, I've read enough of them and podcasts that I don't really care to have anything to do with them, but people that I knew I would have some disagreements with. And I just wanted to listen to what they had to say. And it, it's been a very big growing. It hasn't changed my views on anything. I, I think probably gotten me to think um, in ways that I hadn't before, to think about things in ways I hadn't before. That's in part why I'm reading some of what I'm reading because of listening to some podcasts with of people that I knew that I would disagree with. So that's that's where I'm at. And, you know, it, and it's not that I disagree with them on everything, but I knew I'd have significant disagreements with them. But I knew I also would had areas where I respected them. So I think we can be strong enough in our own understanding to read people that we know we disagree with. And even if we're recognizing where we disagree, we can be willing to at least read what they're saying. It can help us understand where they're coming from. Sometimes it helps us work through why we believe what we believe and strengthen our own convictions. Um, and we can, we can learn from others. You know, that's, it's not, that's not a bad thing. Um, of course we should always be careful, right. When we're reading things like yes. the heretics and things that we've read, but I mean, at least there, you know, where he's coming from or where she's coming right. from. Right. You can say, yeah, I know where you're coming from. Yep. I see that there. Yeah. I disagree, but this is interesting when you say this here. And I think that's just a sign of, of being willing to, to discuss things with others. Well, I know, I think it was like when Amy's book first came out and somebody criticized mm -hmm. her from um, citing a Catholic, you know, and right. I got criticized for citing uh, egalitarians. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, that that's actually a really good example on the theological side. And people get so mad at us for saying this, but there are egalitarians that are committed to the essential doctrines of the Christian faith. We had one mm -hmm. on this podcast, Marcos Ortega. So, but I think some people have made that an essential doctrine um, that you line up on the manhood and womanhood stuff. And right. I, you know, I've listened to Marcos's and Lisa's podcast and I've learned a lot from them and they're, they specifically disagree with each other. And what mm -hmm. a great example. Yeah. What a great example to us that I, I really feel strongly that we need to do a little more of when we can agree on the essential doctrines, be willing to disagree on secondary issues and doctrines and being able to listen to each other and hear each other out and say, okay, I don't agree with you, but I understand where you're coming from. I've heard you out. I can, I can step back and see why you hold that position. Um, instead of, I think there's a lot of, oh, it's an egalitarian. We're going to write them off completely. Right. So anyways, I know I said a lot today, but I'm going to take <laughs> all the books that we mentioned. I know um, Rachel had a lot. I'm going to, I'm going to grab several that Rachel mentioned. The um, one you're using for your Bible study sounds amazing. Yes. And I've been looking for uh, something else to do with my Bible study. So I think that might be it. Say so when a pastor's doing like a particular, like they're going through a particular book, like first Peter uh, that Todd did recently, 
that I got the journal for that and I use that to take notes from the sermon as well as to write out the verses. So it can work well for that too. So I have just one last question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, are you going through any book in the Bible? Or are you just doing that right now? For right now, I'm, I'm doing First Corinthians. Yes, First Corinthians, and I'm doing Esther. Um, and then we were doing Acts for the women's Bible study, but we're off for the summer. Okay, and I look forward to joining that when you guys get back up. I've been going mm-hmm. through Proverbs very slowly. <laughs> And, and carefully, mm-hmm. it's just that, that book, that's when I was talking earlier about how, you know, you've read a verse a million times and then something sticks out. I feel that yes. like that every day with Proverbs. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I like to do is um, when I'm reading certain passages and I'm really trying to understand it, I'll go to Calvin's commentary and see what he has to say. Go to Matthew Henry's commentary, mm-hmm. see what he has to say. And there's um, plenty of websites online that have those for free and it's it's interesting i always you know am intrigued by you know the conclusions that calvin came to and calvin did not have like a whole bunch of commentaries to look through he just so smart um and you know seeing seeing what different different people say so i enjoy doing that and then i'm that's what i'm i'm doing right now so if you have any topics you'd like us to do, we we have planned a lot. So we have uh, a little bit more on the abuse stuff coming up that Rachel mentioned. We have some theological uh, topics like imputation and union with Christ we'll be addressing. Um, we've had some requests to do Hebrews, Hebrew roots, which um, I know there's a lot of girls in our group that have friends or family that have gotten caught up in that. And, even Catholicism, which we've never really talked about, would be a good thing to to discuss and, and some other things. So we'll be working our way through those this summer. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.